0: Welcome to The Quill and the Quantum, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the art of writing. I'm your host, Kathy Norris, and in each episode we'll talk to those authors and other creatives who use or refuse to use AI in their writing process. Today's guest is Reagan Jackson, who is an author, an artist, and an activist as well as being the co-executive director of Young Women Empowered. This organization provides mentorship-based programs for young women and gender expansive youth in the Seattle, Washington area. Reagan, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Kathy.
0: So I'm gonna ask, because this is this is part of Authors on the Air, what are you reading these days? Is there anyone that has really, you know, caught your eye or grabbed your attention um, uh, whether it be anything published or on the web or what? Ooh,
1: uh, I'm, I'm always reading a couple of different things at the same time. <laughs> 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 so I've kind of like, there's my serious book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, my, my all book. right. Um, so at the moment I'm, I'm reading a book by um, a fascinating woman. She's a cardiologist um, and a guru named Kavita uh, and it's called The Heart of Wellness. And it's yeah, just all about um, kind of ways to practice physical practices that you can do to get healthier, um, but also kind of set yourself free from the limitations of of societal expectations, like pushing back on uh, on some of our conditioning to find spaces of more joy.
0: Oh, that sounds really deep. Would you Would you repeat the name and spell the name of the of the author again?
1: Yeah, it's Heart of Wellness. Um, I'm like I'm not sure if I can spell Kavita.
0: <laughs> oh no, no, no worries. What I'll do is I will I will follow up with it and and for our listeners I'll put it on the website so that you can connect to it. Um, definitely. Now it sounds fascinating. It sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. How about your own writing? I know that you've got some uh, um, a, a book coming out very fairly shortly. I do. You-
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really I'm really excited about it. Um, it's called uh, Still True. The Evolution of an Unexpected Journalist, and it's coming out uh, with Hinton Publishing on March 26th. So, um, looking forward to to releasing that.
0: Okay, fantastic. I'll also provide a link to to that work as well. Um, We'll jump on in then. Uh, Reagan, when was the first time that you became um, aware of AI and its potential impact on your world?
1: Well, I'd say the first time was kind of through social media. All of a sudden, um, people kept popping up with these really interesting, like futuristic profile pictures, and I was Mm -hmm. like, "What is that? Like, how do you do that?" And so, of course, I feel like me and and a whole bunch of other people were like, "Oh, let me just check it out." So, you know, you upload your image, and then um, the AI like makes this these versions of you like comic book or <laughs> i don't know it just felt very um for me like a, a cool afrofuturist aesthetic um and i got like really like oh these are cool i really like these images that that the computers are generating and then as soon as i kind of started posting them i got um some folks who were pinging me to be like you're you're stealing from artists and i was like am like how am i stealing from artists like what am i doing and they're like, that's what the AI is doing. It's taking, it's taking our art and, and um, you know, making this kind of soulless replicas is how they were, <laughs> mm-hmm. how they were positioning mm-hmm. it to me. And I was like, oh, no, that sounds awful. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, that's not my intent at all.
1: No, no. And I certainly, you know, I don't want to deprive art, artists from their, their artistry. Um, I just thought it was something cool, but I hadn't really thought more deeply about what the implications of AI
0: would be. Hmm. Well, well, that's interesting because I think I started this podcast around the time of the SAG-AFTRA strike and the writers' strike, mm-hmm. and so I had lots of, well, not lots of, but I had at least two. Um, I had a director and I had a writer and an actor talking about, you know, their their main goals, which was which was um, compensation and consent uh, in wanting to have to consent to the use of their images. Um, and to be compensated for doing it, and that was the my first exposure to the fact that, especially in the large language models, that that they're absorbing, you know, uh, I'm just gonna say a lot of of data that that the artists are simply not getting compensated for.
1: Yeah, that, and I'm I'm not with it. Like I'm that person at the grocery store who, like, even if there's no line at the self check, I'm <laughs> and there's a really long line with the checker, like. I'm gonna go through the checker, and I think part of that too is um, having been a community organizer with United mm-hmm. Food and Commercial Workers, uh, Local 21 here in Seattle for a couple of years. Like, I really have seen the ways in which computers have have stolen people's jobs. Um,
0: you know, it's so it's so funny because the reason that I'm I go through the lines with the checkers is I like that human interaction. Mm-hmm. I like to talk, even even though it's just hi, how you doing. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about what's the barcode for the vegetable. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I just and, and I realized because for a while the the store, uh, there was an Amazon Fresh near me that had uh, that, that offered you, you know, contactless um, uh, and a contactless experience. And I would leave the store feeling a bit like something had been missing. And it was only then that I value that I realized how much I valued that little bit of inter, that little tiny bit of interaction, mm-hmm. that little laugh, that little smile. It was only then that I realized how much um, I missed it. And so, even though I, it's ten dollars more, what the heck?
1: <laughs> well, you know, also there are in, in other countries there are whole grocery lines that are like set up for elders specifically um, because that is maybe like one of the ways that they get that moment of of conversation so they can go through the slower line and actually like enjoy their interaction and not feel rushed by the people behind them like it's, it's designated um you know so there's like a lot of different ways you can do that for me i feel like the pandemic in some ways has made me more introverted in that
0: mm-hmm.
1: my job and my work is so extroverted i'm so like inundated with people all the time that like the last thing i want to do is have an interaction at a grocery store <laughs> but i do it on principle Um, because whether I want to interact or not, I want somebody to have that job.
0: Oh, most definitely. It, it, my, my father used to say to me, well, who do they think is going to buy the goods and services if nobody has a job? And even back then in, in, I think it was, you know, junior high or whatever middle school it is now, it just made sense. You know? Yeah. People aren't, aren't earning income. Then there's no outgo that's, it's just that simple. But uh, uh, in any event, um, so that was your your introduction to AI, and I can remember remember that. So now we fast forward to today, mm-hmm. and do you use AI in any of your creative processes today?
1: Absolutely not.
0: And I am loving this. It, talk to me, Reagan. Why, <laughs> you know, ex, explain to, to, to our audience what it is because you vehemently said absolutely not girl so
1: it's a it's a no for me um like it's the the closest I get to like technology interacting with my with my writing is I write on using a computer that's a concession Mm -hmm. I'll make because I do feel like it's it's just more efficient um it's faster but I definitely it took me a while to even want to do that like I've was definitely uh, and and remain a person who carries a notebook in my purse at all times in case inspiration strikes and I need to write something down, and a lot of my best work is like written on the back of cocktail napkins or <laughs> you know like whatever it. was available. Um, so yeah, like it's one of those things where oftentimes I feel like the the world is evolving at such a, a clip at such a quick pace that we don't often uh, have time to like integrate or to really think through like the implications of the ways in which technology is evolving. And for me, AI is a really good uh, example of that. And that now um, for example, uh, you can use chat GBT to like, write a cover letter or write Mm a, you know, your laundry list or whatever. Like you can just kind of feed it, feed it information and it can organize thoughts for you. But to me, like, that's my job. So my job is to think, <laughs> and to engage with my own thoughts, <laughs> organize them <laughs> and put them together in the, in the correct order, in the correct sequencing that uh-huh. you know is, communicates what it is that I want to say with precision <laughs> and with beauty and, and power. And um, these robots need to back up off my job.
0: I, I, I hear you I, I think the the one thing I discovered is I experimented with AI generative AI not 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 the stuff that spell checks and whatnot but uh, I realized that writing was my way of fine-tuning what I thought mm-hmm. and it was only when I'd gone to gone through a couple of drafts that I realized I'm getting closer to the truth of what I'm trying to express but that first knee-jerk you know, just get words on paper um, uh, it does isn't, isn't anywhere near, isn't anywhere close.
1: We need that, I think, as writers. We, we don't, you can't, you can't spiritually bypass a rough draft. <laughs> like, you need to engage with what, what the raw material is to get to that more refined piece of thought. And with AI, like, I don't, it, it makes, it unnerves me a little, the idea that but, it could just, think that it's replicating something and and I guess the thing that's scary to me is I've seen it produce things that are coherent but without without a real understanding or a depth of uh, a depth of exchange like one of the things I talk about um, when I talk about the work that's coming out in my book because my book is a a collection of um, articles and essays and the story of uh, a decade of my journalism. Um, mm. And when I frame what this collection has meant for me, uh, I talk about this is some of my most expensive writing. Hmm. And that not because, you know it cost a lot, you know money. I'm not talking about financial financially expensive. I'm talking about what it cost me to write those pieces, what I had to live through, what I had to synthesize. What I had to learn and understand, become, endure <laughs> uh, to get to the other side where I could write this piece. Um, and I feel like, yeah, AI is cheap <laughs> for as expensive as the technology is, it's not, it hasn't earned the right to distill our humanity.
0: That's very powerful. Um, I, I want to sit in that for just a moment. I'm I'm wondering, are you do you still think you can tell the difference between pieces that are written by AI and pieces that are not written or that are written by human beings?
1: Probably not. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, AI still is like a byproduct of human beings. So I mean, maybe sometimes I'll see see things that are that the cadence feels mechanical or robotic or, or something like that. But I also think the technology has become very sophisticated at, at the mimicry uh, of our speech patterns. Um, and that's another way in which I think it's dangerous and that I actually heard uh, uh, Bettina Judd, she's a professor mm-hmm. of women, women's uh, studies and sexuality at the UW. Uh, she was talking about AI as plagiarism software <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> like it, that, that's that kind of, that captures it a bit Yeah, for me. Like this is, it's taking things that are already out in the world and turning it into, into what?
0: <laughs> yes. And, 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 and it's funny because sometimes when I'm looking for people to talk um, uh, to, to invite to the podcast, there have been several times when I've read an article about, for example, six ways that AI will not replace human creativity. And I've tried to track down the author, either to find that the author doesn't exist mm. or the author generated it using AI and very, you know, is very happy to let me know, unlike other authors who would never confess to using AI, which I find kind of uh, even more disturbing. It's one thing to use it and to attribute it and acknowledge it. It's another thing to use it and then to pass it off as your own because I think that part of the of your brain that might recognize it as AI, when, once that's not reinforced, you start to question yourself about whether or not you're able to tell the difference. But I like that uh, uh, plagiarism software. Uh, uh, I can see this episode title taking place even <laughs> Uh, even as we speak, even as we speak, um, what is it you, you you work with young women and gender expansive youth? What would you like them to take away about AI and the use of it in their world?
1: Has that even come up? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we have a, a program called, wow, why we tech. Why um, be tech? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why dash B. Tech. <laughs> why it. we
1: tech. So why we stand for young women empowered, but we also use it as a as both a question and a statement for all of our programs. Really, so,
0: Reagan? Why We're do we write? Okay.
1: You know, Girl. why do we create? Why do we, you know, why do we tech? Why, why do tech?
0: <laughs> I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That is so <laughs> sharp. Okay. Okay. Well, I can't oh, I can't
1: please. take credit for that. That's a that's a Rose Waterstone original. <laughs> I, I like to use these but but it's something I I love about why we is is and it keeps me really focused as I'm um, working through designing new programs about like you know why are we doing this program like what yes. we want the young people to get out of it and for for this program tech um you know I live in Seattle Washington it is completely saturated with all the big the big tech companies right we've got Amazon uh, Microsoft Boeing Niantic like. You know the po- Pokemon Go is <laughs> is here, <laughs> right? and uh, what I find though is that the ways in which school is teaching technology is is at times not accessible to um, to our demographic of youth, particularly to um, BIPOC, first gen immigrants, um, girls and women, non binary folks. Like they're it's they largely feel excluded from the ways in which um, technology is being taught and so tech our program is to kind of supplement that is to give them connections with um, folks in the community who can who can um help show them a pathway into these fields that are so high paying and actually can like create generational wealth Um, and yeah so we've been having we definitely have discussions on all these things we've talked about uh the ways in which, because a lot of the folks who are de- designing tech do not look like them or do not come from their communities, uh, create tech that is not responsive to the needs of their communities or doesn't isn't representative. Um, yeah, so my hope in that is is for that in the future. I, I want there to be more more voices in the room when tech is being designed uh, that that kind of have have a lived experience that that could
0: influence the ways in which it evolves. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I had listened to, I'd gone to a webinar and there's a book out by, and let me, oh, Joy Buolamwini, and I'm murdering that name. It's spelled B-U-O-L-A-M-W-I-N-I. And she wrote a book called Unmasking AI. And she did that because as an African-American woman, when she was testing some of the large language models on facial rec- recognition, mm-hmm. they weren't recognizing her dark skin until she literally took a mask that was white and put it over her face. And then it became, then AI recognized her as a human being. And she was like, OMG, you know, um, what is what is going on on here? And, sh- and she wrote a really, uh, a, the book came out in November, I believe it was, uh, it was part of the LA Times Book Club presentation, but it was very jarring to, to realize, as you said, this, these programs are created by humans and are gonna reflect human bias, period. And if you're not in there in the development stage, then then you suffer, most definitely.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, the, Dalai ba- the Dalai Lama a long time ago, pre-COVID visited Seattle And Mm -hmm. somebody had asked him the question, what is the meditation that the world needs now? And his answer is one that always really has stuck with me. And it's critical thinking followed by action.
0: Oh, love that.
1: And for me, when we talk about AI, I need there to be some critical thinking.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) I don't don't want AI to like replace (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) Like, you know, like let's, let's not... Let's not use that as a shortcut.
0: <laughs> yes, honey. Okay. Critical thinking followed by AI. Well, on that note, um, you know, I, I, I have, you've have very, very clearly articulated your, your issues with AI. Is there, is there anything else that you would like to add or uh, about the topic?
1: Uh, I guess, while, <laughs> while I stand in obviously vehement opposition. <laughs> <laughs> to the ways in which ai is developing i also it's kind of like when the internet developed like you can't necessarily stop a train like this is a thing that's happening so the question becomes like how can we apply critical thinking how can we um uh make sure that there's nuance in, in the ways in which we're we're storting the evolution of this technology and that oh, many voices are in the room to to make those decisions and to be Oh, yeah, to be a part of to, to be a part of this process and that I would like to see. AI serve some useful function, I don't know exactly yet what that will be. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but the alternative, the idea of, of all the all the damage it could cause is is pretty scary. Um, so for me, like that's that's a way in which I mitigate fear is to try to build into possibilities of of hopefulness or what or what things can be. So while I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it, <laughs> um, I'm not gonna ignore that that this thing exists.
0: Here, here. Um, I I think I think that that mantra, um, critical thinking followed by action, is one way of dealing with the sometimes um, overwhelming hopelessness or powerlessness that people can feel in the face of these of these um, entities, for lack of a better word. But there is, if there's one thing I've learned and even in this teeny tiny little podcast is that when it comes to AI, we're all beginners and we're all learning and everyone has something to contribute and a voice, most definitely. So, Ms. Reagan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you,
1: Kathy. It was a pleasure, and uh, I hope your listeners will consider pre-ordering my book. It's
0: live on the Hinton Publishing website. The I, I had written down the name of the book, and of course, now I cannot find it. it. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's still true. The evolution of an unexpected journalist.
0: Excellent, and also, um, I want I want listeners to check out your TED Talk on the visionary pragmatism. Of communities of belonging, I found that just fascinating, uh, and how you connected it back to you know your own roots and your own childhood, I thought was was fabulous. So, thank Aww. you for your time, lady.
1: Thank you. Take care.